Welcome to the Women's Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Sheridan House. We continue today in the series, Reflection, a Study of Philippians. If you missed any part of this series, you can find it and others online at sheridanhouse.org backslash WBS. We hope you enjoy today's lesson. Rosemary and I are able to share some during the year as we go back and forth, and we have a kind of special scripture that we found, and as I sat at the table with these ladies, realizing what you're doing here is just so wonderful because it's God's girls, God's people who are talking about him together, and this verse is in Malachi, the third chapter, verse 16, then they that feared the Lord spoke often to one another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. Isn't that beautiful? God is listening to you talk about him. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. That is beautiful. We are God's children. I'm so happy to be here today, and I would like to pray and uh, thank God for everything that just flooded my heart as I pulled onto this property to see what God has done in all of these years. May he bless you richly, and we see him do more and more great and mighty things to his honor and glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your presence with us. As the song says, as I walk in through the door... I sensed your presence, and I knew this was a place where love abounds, for it is God's temple, Jehovah, God abides here, and we are sitting in his presence on holy ground. I pray that you would take Rosemary's preparation and fill her with your spirit and give her just the words that you would have her say and that you would give us attentive ears and receptive hearts. You are so great and greatly to be praised, and we love you, Lord, and we want to bring you joy. May today be a day that will bring you joy. In Jesus' precious name, we thank you for this sacred, wonderful place that has helped so many people and has a wonderful future, too. God bless every single person that is involved in it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Wow. Thank you, Betty Jean, so much. And you can see why she's such a dear friend and a a wonderful pastor's wife and sweet mentor, right? Amazing. Well, I am so glad to be here with you this morning. And as we continue this incredible journey in the book of Philippians, and another wonderful lady in our lives who was um, a part of our Bible study for years. Our oldest member, 96-year-old Miss Helen, used to sit up here at this table, and she is now enjoying the presence of Jesus. As of Saturday, she went home to be with Jesus. 
And, um, you know, at first we're like, oh, but we, we want to have the face that she has because isn't that just such a reflection of how she's looking at Jesus? And um, so we're not sad for her, are we? We're rejoicing. Oh, my goodness. She's in her. Somebody said to me this morning, I can't remember who it was. She's in her, Vicki, I think. She's in her 33-year-old body up there, <laughs> enjoying the presence of, of the Lord and other loved ones who have, been, who have gone on ahead and just re- rejoicing with her, with her. But please remember the family. Please remember her table, who misses her greatly. And um, there's another really sweet picture up there if you get a chance that they have at the table. Go by and see. But uh, <coughs> we need to remember her family during this time of transition. You know, she just moved up to Tennessee, as we know. And um, so just be with them. But, you know, as I was thinking about how this whole series has been about reflecting Jesus, that we've been learning how to reflect Jesus. And, of course, today we're going to be talking about reflecting Jesus in contentment. But as I was thinking about that, that uh, title and how we've been thinking about that and, and praying about it and trying to learn how to more and more reflect Jesus, I thought, you know, what an example of a lady who really reflected Jesus. Don't we need role models like that? And, of course, you know, our ultimate role model is the Lord himself who's constant and always there and always the same and always powerful and, you know, on and on it goes. But how wonderful that we can have uh, a role model like Miss Helen was to all of us and continues to be. And whether, we're, whether we get to go home at 36 or 66 or 96, um, may every day that we're here reflect Jesus. So um, I just wanted to share with that. I know I didn't mean to shock some of you, but um, let's just be so rejoicing that she's there with the Lord Jesus right now. Anyway, as we talk about today, reflecting contentment, we're going to be looking at Philippians 4, 10 through 14. And in your homework this week, there was a wonderful Warren Wearsby quote, and I want to read it to you. I think it's just profound. He said this, A thermometer doesn't change anything around it. It just registers the temperature. But a thermostat regulates the surroundings. The Apostle Paul was a thermostat. Instead of having spiritual ups and downs as the situation changed, he went right on steadily doing his work and serving Jesus serving Jesus. We've talked about that. And we've talked over and over again about the truth that about Paul being a thermostat, that he was able to control the temperature of his life, wasn't he? And even those around him, he was able to regulate his surroundings and keep uh, right on doing what God had for him to do, whether it was the guards around him, the Praetorian guards that guarded him, whether it was the palace that was right near the prison, apparently, uh, the churches he was writing to, including the church at Philippi. And was profound is that he was able to regulate, quote unquote, his own sur- surroundings considering what he was personally experiencing, what he was personally experiencing. He was steadily doing his work and serving Christ, um, not from a comfortable room with his servants coming to take care of him like would have happened to him had he remained 
the Pharisee of Pharisees, and we've talked in the past about how God ordered his life. And I think even the good parts of Paul's life, God ordered so that we can look at him and say, okay, whether he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, rich, you know, whatever, or whether he was in prison or whatever he's doing, um, he, it, it did not affect him. It, it affected who he was. He reflected who Jesus was. He was instead um, of being a Pharisee and having people wait on him and help him in the process, he was in prison. And we've talked about what prison was like in the day. And so as we think about that, as he was in prison awaiting possible execution, he never knew when this was going to happen. We um, have talked about this so many times uh, in this book that he was consistent. He was a thermostat of his own life. Another great Wearsby quote is this, contentment is not complacency, nor is it a false peace based on ignorance. Commitment is not an escape from battle, but rather an abiding peace and confidence in the middle of battle in the middle of battle. And that's what we're going to be taking a look at today. How are we able to do this? That's the question at hand, isn't it? How was Paul able to do this? What happened? Um, we don't you want to learn that? I really, really, really want to learn that because all of us have tremendous ups and downs in our lives. We have issues that we, we have to, do, uh, to deal with. We're certainly not in prison but we can have some challenging, painful situations in our lives. And how do we, too, have abiding peace and confidences in the midst of battle, in the midst of an unsettling culture? And boy, um, I don't need to say a whole lot more about that this week, do I? With the virus floating around. I hope everybody washed their hands when they came in this morning. Um, and, um, or not only that, but the, all this craziness with the election and all the things that are going on, the divisions and everything. I don't want to depress us. But the point being is we are in the midst of unsettling times. And so we want to learn what was, the, what was it about Paul's life that gave him a, a contentment, ups, downs, highs, lows, whatever it was, what was it in his life that created that contentment in him? And that's what we're going to look at today. First of all, he first recognized the providence of God, the providence of God. In our world of incredible scientific achievement, we even sometimes, I think, as Christians begin to think, wow, the world is just this vast, natural machine, like a computer. We talked about computers last week. Um, and, and we talked about how, you know, sometimes, you know, we just spin in and out of circumstances. It's just part of being alive here in this world. And we're in these circumstances and kind of like the whole world. Um, and we don't spend much time thinking about the providence of God. In fact, you know what? When I say that word providence, we, we, we sometimes kind of feel like, well, what exactly does that even mean? What is the providence of God? The word is the, of God is very clear that God is providentially working not only in nature, and we've talked about this week after week, how he keeps the galaxies in place and the molecules in place, not only in nature but in our own lives, how he keeps the galaxies in place and the molecules. We have talked about that week after week. Providence comes from, the, from two words in the original language. The first part of it, pro 
means before. Providence, the rest of it, comes from the word video, which means to see. So what that word providence means, God's providence means that God knows and has seen to it before it happens. God knows all the things that will happen in our life have happened in our life. He, is, he sees to it. He has seen beforehand, pro video. He has seen it. It is the working of God in advance to arrange circumstances and situations for fulfilling his purposes. He does that in all of our lives. He knows what those circumstances are going to be. He knows the hard ones. He knows the heartbreaks. He knows the positives. And he's working together, as Romans 8.28 talks about, of working those things together in his providence because he is able to see. And with all the craziness of this world, wow, isn't that such an important thing for us to understand? Not only... Um, does he know our lives? But it talks about in scripture how he even orders authorities and rulers in our life. Is that a great thought to think about right now during election year 2020? Colossians 1.16, you don't need to look it up, but you might want to jot it down. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Here it is, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him. God's providence directs rulers and authorities, and that to me is very comforting right now, isn't it? Very comforting. That's not to say that we don't get involved and do our part. That's not to say we say, oh, okay, God's got this. You know, he's, he's got the election covered in 2020, so I'm going to just sit home election day, and I'm going to just kind of rock on my rocker and keep looking at the... No, he uses us. What a privilege. So we need to do our part, but ultimately we know that history is in the hands of our mighty, loving, creative God, and that to me is very comforting. Yeah, absolutely. In other words, providentially, A, God orders our lives. He is ordering and orchestrating our lives to fulfill his purposes. Paul didn't have to second guess all that was happening to him. Paul also didn't have to second guess about his friendships. And he goes into that at the very beginning of this passage that we're going to be looking at today. B, Paul understood his friendships with the Philippians. God ordered his friendships, and Paul knew that. Listen to verse 10 as we begin this passage. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and now at length you have received, uh, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. What Paul is saying is apparently, you know, wow, there apparently had been a silence from the Philippian church for a period, but notice in the verse he is quick to let him know he doesn't blame him. He's saying, for some reason, you know, maybe the, the messenger didn't make it to you, to me, or I don't know what was going on, or it, it was overwhelming, or you weren't allowed to write a message, or whatever. I don't know what the reason is, but I want you to know that even though I haven't heard from you, I'm okay. I'm okay. I know the strength of our relationship. Real friendship can stand the test of silence. Paul not, had not heard from them, but he still knew that they cared for him. 
and loved him and were praying for him and ministering to them in whatever him in any way that they could. Their friendship was not dependent on their always telling him or reassuring them of their love and concern. Don't you have friends like that? Where sometimes the greatest friends are the ones that you don't necessarily get to enjoy the most often. Don't you have friends like that? But when you have a treasured vi visit, you finally get to be together, guess what happens? You pick up right where you left off. And, you, and there, there's that instant connect with that friend. Someone recently said to me, I, don't, I want to be with you. I don't need to be with you. And I love that. You've had friends that says that. It's not like, okay, I'm so needy. I've got to get you on the phone. I've got to set up a lunch with you. No, I, I love being with you. I'm looking forward to it, but I don't need you. And this friend was saying that because her needs were being met by who? The Lord. Absolutely. Not me. I love that. And that's a picture here with Paul. He is saying, he has, I haven't heard from you, but I trust your love. He trusted his love from them. He didn't need them. His, pro in his providential God, his God with providence, had taken care of those needs. But, number one, the Philippians' concern was blossomed again. Again in the verse, he was grateful to hear from them. But he trusts their love for him, hearing or not hearing, concern expressed or not expressed. But he also wants them to know that, two, his joy was in the Lord. It is great to hear from you guys. I love you, my friends in, in Philippi. But let me tell you something. The source of my real and deep joy is the Lord. It's what he is saying. His joy was not dependent on circumstances of things going his way, the way he desired them to go. It was more than friendships or expressions from them. It was more than um, prosperity or positive circumstances like he had a joy early in his life. He, his joy centered on the Lord is what he was communicating to the Philippian church and to us. Because, number two, not only the providence of the Lord, he recognized the power of of the Lord, the power of the Lord. Look at verses 11 through 12 with me. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, to be content. I have learned to be content, he is saying. Then verse 12, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Wow. That is strong, isn't it? Wow. I have learned, he says, to be content. He is saying, A, contentment is learned. Contentment is learned. It's not something that just pops into our hearts and minds that, okay, good morning, everybody. I am content today. No, it is something that has to be learned, isn't it? We have to experience it. We have to walk the journey with the Lord. I'll never forget um, one time Bob and I were, this happens often, but um, I think I told you a recent story about this, but a couple, few years ago, Bob and I were coming back from somewhere and our plane was delayed for hours on the runway. And as we're sitting there, the, you know, the people in, in the aisles were, they were starting to you know, get out of their seats into the aisles and starting to say, where is the food carts? I think we should have free drinks on the airlines, you know, and all that. I mean, just this 
hubbub of people getting more and more frustrated as the minutes t ticked away. Well, Bob was on the aisle, I was in the middle seat, and on the window was a gentleman who quietly was sitting reading. Just quiet. And as we began to talk to him for a, a little bit, we found out that he was a, a medical doctor, and the end of the flight, he was getting to a conference of other medical doctors that he was speaking to. Now, it, was there somebody that really should have, you know, been really stressed over the time? <laughs> not at all. Quietly reading, content. You know, I did not ask him this, what was I thinking? But I, I should have, first of all, asked him. I've learned my lesson. I ask every time now. But um, at that time, it didn't occur to me. I didn't ask him, are you a believer? And are you studying the book of Philippians here? <laughs> but anyway, wow, it did not matter. He didn't have this, I'm so valuable. I'm a medical doctor about to go to a conference to speak to others. There was not that, that error. There was a peaceful contentment. I'm convinced he was a believer. Don't you think? Absolutely, I vote for it. But anyway. Paul is saying, I have learned that secret. I've learned the secret of living, that whatever state I am in, to live above my circumstances, they don't have to affect my well-being. Boy, that's a, a, a message to all of us as, as Americans, because we have had such a wonderful life. If you've been to a third world country to visit or anything, you know what I'm talking about. We have it so good here that we take it so for granted don't we that we're that if you know if if we get cut off in traffic it has ruined our day or if that item that i needed at Publix is not there are we kidding don't they know that i need my lily's chocolate bar today really and we the things that affect our tranquility our contain our contentment our state of mind can be so shallow. I'm right with you. I'm struggling with it too. I want to learn that whatever circumstances come my way, I know that I have a providential God. I have a powerful God. I need to know that. Wow, like Paul is saying, to live above my circumstances. He is saying that our happiness should not be dependent on the praise or attention of other people, on wealth, possessions, or anything that is circumstantial. It needs to be based on our relationship with God, above it. Hudson Taylor, the uh, Chinese, the um, missionary to China said this, it is not trusting my own faithfulness, but by looking away to the faithful one. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Hudson Taylor. He never solicited funds when he went to China. He began the China Inland Mission he, that later became, I have to look this up, Overseas Missionary Fellowship International, which, which it is called today. But thousands of missionaries, because of Hudson Taylor, went to China and began that process of winning the Chinese community to the Lord. Do you know that when his wife was 33 years old, she went to heaven? Do you know that eight, he had eight children, and four of them went home to be with the Lord before the age of 10? He himself contracted, they think it was hepatitis. He had to come home for a season to the United States of America. 
And yet this man, so used by God, made the statement, not trusting my own faithfulness, but looking away to the faithful one. Wow. Here's a man that did not allow his circumstances to rule what he was accomplishing for Christ's sake. Wow. B, contentment is a choice. Contentment is a choice. Notice that in verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret. I have learned the secret. He is saying that the secret of contentment is something that he has learned as he has grown in his faith. That contentment about, uh, about plenty or hunger, absence or need, it is something that as a result of his relationship with the Lord and learning what is truly important in his life. Truly important. Again, if anybody knew both extremes, it was the Apostle Paul, wasn't it? He had known all of the above. Raised in a rich and aristocratic home, as we've talked week after week, and now in chains. Um, when you think about all that Paul has been through, it helps us to take his words very seriously to heart. There is a passage in 2 Corinthians 11. You don't need to look it up, but I'm going to just read it to you. Chapter 11, verse 24 and through 28, and he describes a little bit of some of the things that he went through. Listen to this. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times... I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked at night and a day. I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys and danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the cities, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship. Through many a sleepless night, in hungry and, hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there was a daily pressure on me for my anxiety for all the churches. I think he's kind of gone through more than we could imagine, don't you think? And yet, listen to his tone. I have found contentment. I have learned contentment. Wow. Wow. We need to listen up. How did he do it? How did he do it? <clears throat> Not really the prescription of a life of commitment. But he again says in verse 12 of Philippians 4 that he knows what it means to know contentment. Know here means to understand. It's not just, oh, I know contentment. It's understand contentment. It's a deep word. Know, to understand. He's saying, I understood my wealth and now I understand my poverty and difficulty. Um, that is what he knows. How did he know this? Number C, his circumstances are to be used. This is what he knew. My circumstances are to be used in my life. He is saying that God's providence, that in God's providences, that his providence, that his circumstances were to be used in whatever way God intended to use them. Let me say that again. That is so important in all of our lives. Let me say that again. In God's providence, whatever his circumstances were, they were to be used in whatever God intended for them to use. Now that's saying a lot, isn't it? Whatever God allows to come my way, I can be content because I know that God will use it somehow. 
Last week, those of you who um, were at Calvary Chapel last Sunday, they had a speaker that is becoming world famous. His name is Nick Vujacic. Did I get it? So proud of myself. I've been working for hours, haven't I, Karen? Anyway, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> Pride cometh before a fall. <laughs> anyway, but Nick Vujacic was born without limbs, born with arms, born without legs. God is mightily using him throughout the world. Do you know that at sat on Saturday night at Calvary Chapel, when he spoke, there were so many decisions for Christ that um, Doug or one of the leadership called the rest of the pastors on staff and said, we need you at every single service tomorrow because we're having so many responses. A 200 came forward, Jerry is saying. Amazing. Now let me ask you something. Would you have chosen a life with our arms and legs? No, no. But look what God has done. Look what God has done as a result of what happened in this man's life. He wants to do that in our lives as well. Think of the worst thing that has happened to you. Think of the worst thing that you're going through right now. Think of the biggest trial, the biggest difficulty, the biggest heartache, and know that God is going to use it in his providential, powerful purposes. Wow, amazing. I'm saying that loud because I'm saying it to myself. Ooh, man, wow, amazing. Just think how much we have been encouraged by Paul's words over these, uh, these, these years later when we live in a very divided culture. As we're going through some of the challenges in our lives, as we're going through some of the heartbreaks, as we're dealing with some of the things that we have to go through today, think about the fact that 2,000 years ago, Paul said, I have learned to be content. God has, is, you know, he's doing a miraculous work through what Paul went through for our lives' sake by having it in scripture for us. Wow, as we go through our things. John Calvin said this, he who knows how to use present abundance soberly and temperately with thanksgiving, prepared to part with everything whenever it may please the Lord, giving also a share to his brother according to his ability and is also not puffed up, that man has learned to excel and to abound. This is an excellent and rare virtue. Wow, in other words, that anything I might have, that it's there to be shared, it's there to be used, it's there to further the kingdom, it's there for God to, to, to do an amazing work with. Uh, in the lives of other people. How can Paul do it? How can he have such extraordinarily good attitude in the midst of such extremes in his life, thinking about, you know, beatings and <laughs> shipwrecks and, you know, all the things that he just described? How is he able to say, I am content? I am content. How? Providence of God, power of God. He's about to reveal the secret. Are you ready? I am too. Let's hear it. Providence, power, and then the strength of God. The strength of God. He begins by talking in verse 13, and I've asked the Amora, this is a very special verse to her family, if she would stand and read it for us. 
Hi, my name is Xiomara. When Rosemary asked me to read this very special verse to me this morning, my little mind and heart said, you can't do that. <laughs> and then I, she said, pray about it and let me know later. So I did, and I said, this verse is telling me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is not about me. This is about honoring God and reading his beautiful verse to you wonderful ladies and also to honor my son because this verse is my son's life verse who now lives in heaven with Jesus since April 17, 2017, almost three years ago. And since that day, this verse became my life verse because I'm living it, I'm tasting it every day. This verse, knowing that my strength to continue living and breathing comes from God who is providing everything I need to get up every morning and live my life and fulfill the purpose that God planned for my life. This is now my life verse, and I thank you, Johnny, for giving it to me, too. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity to honor you and honor my son by reading it. Philippians 4.13, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And he has given me this peace, this confidence to be able to stand here this morning and read it to you. Thank you. I love you. Let's go home. <laughs> wow. The strength of God. Providence, his power, and then his strength. To be able to deal with, go through the circumstances in our life that are overwhelming sometimes in our heart. But Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Z, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing the strength that you've gotten from the Lord. She's a living example, as many, many of you are. That is a secret of having such a superhuman attitude. He can do it through God's strength, as Zamora just shared with us. A, what does God's strength truly mean? What does that mean? It's not a self-sufficiency. It's not a, I'm going to do this thing. I'm Paul. I can do it. I can handle it. No, no, no. He is saying it is a Christ confidence. It is a Christ confidence. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He was saying that the strength and power was transmitted from Jesus to himself, to Paul. I remember when um, we were, the children were in middle and high school, and we had the privilege of doing an um, out west trip. And I remember we stopped in um, wherever the Grand Canyon is. I can't remember what's there. What? Arizona, thank you. Um, and we stood on the, the edge of the Grand Canyon, and we were like, God, wow. But I think even more than the Grand Canyon was when we got to California and we were in the forest of the sequoia trees. 
And I, I still have a vision of Roby, who was uh, in middle school at the time, standing in front of this massive tree, just looking up. And we were speechless, thinking about the creative genius of God, the vastness, vastness, the Grand Canyon, these incredible trees, um, or, you know, the crashing, we love our waves here in South Florida, the crashing waves of the ocean. And we think about that the creative genius is the greatest power of God. No. No. The greatest power of God is when God is transmitted from Christ to us. When he takes us lowly little creatures and can empower us to be able to live in contentment, to do the things that we're called to do, to make a difference in the world around us, that is when um, we see God's strength in a mighty way. I probably shouldn't compare them. Creative genius, wow. What he does in our lives, wow. Such a picture of God. From how he can create sequoia trees to molecules, keep them together, to transmitting his power into our lives to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Wow. The greatest manifestation of God's power is how he has m changed mere uh, humans. You know, I don't know if you've noticed in the news that this Sunday, uh, the 8th of March, is International Women's Day. And I was kind of pondering that. I was thinking about some of the world-known women who have done incredible things for the cause of Christ. First of all, how about um, Corrie Ten Boom, daughter of a baker who was used mightily to save Jewish people during the Nazi um, concentration camp era. Or how about um, Harriet Tubman, who was used hugely in the Underground Railroad uh, endeavor to help in the South. Or how about one of my, my personal favorites, Mother Teresa, a little simple nun from, I think, England, if I recall correctly. And she went to India, and she ministered hugely in the lives of street people that were dying along the side of the street, many of them with leprosy. And she poured her life into these, uh, these people. And you know what she said about herself? People were saying something, oh, wow, Mother Teresa, you're such a wonderful woman. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. I'm just a pencil in the hand of Jesus. No. Wow, God using, transforming. How about Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was killed on the mission field? And she said, oh, no, no, I'm not staying here. I'm going right back to the same place where we ministered before. And God used her mightily in the very tribe that took her husband's life. Elizabeth Elliot, wow, the list goes on and on as we think about people that God has used through his power. Not that they were such important people. They were simple people that were pencils in the hand of Jesus. Wow, amazing. When we see a confidence, number one, it is to be confident to do anything and everything God calls us to do. When we are confident, we are going to be called to do everything 
and anything that God calls us to do. Paul was saying that not only could he be confident in every circumstance, the things that came his way, shipwrecked, beaten, whatever it was, that he could be confident in every situation, he could also be sure that he would be equipped with divine power to deal with it. That divine power that built the tall sequoias and the Grand Canyon is available to us in our circumstances to be used in those circumstances to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Hallelujah. Wow, wow, wow. That divine power that strikes awe in us is available to us in our lives to deal with all things. Ziamora, thank you. All things to help us deal with all things. That is so incredible, isn't it? So, number two, to be confident that God's power is transmitted to us. Does that mean that we suddenly will open our mouths and sing like an angel? Or that suddenly I'll, I'll walk in and be able to lift, you know, 400 pounds without even blinking an eye? Get in shape. Woo! I need that. Still working on the 16 pounds. But anyway, of course not. Here's what it means. It means that whatever God calls us to do, we can have confidence that he will divinely strengthen us to do it. Whatever his call is on our life, he will strengthen us. The verse says, through Christ that strengthens me. The actual term is in Christ who strengthens me. Whatever comes our way, we have strength in Jesus Christ to meet it. Whatever task God has called us to, we have strength in Christ to do it. Wow. We certainly have observed that in Paul's life as we've talked week after week after week. And in our lives, in the lives of each other, where do we have, uh, when, we, when we've been given something that's ab above our abilities to do and we suddenly see God just take it over? Uh, I'll, probably one of the biggest challenges that Bob received in his ministry was a few years ago when he was asked to do the funeral of a beloved pastor and dear friend of the family who lost his three-year-old daughter. And Bob just, you know, for, for the days beforehand said, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. How do you comfort? I, I, I just, and he was just, I, I don't know what to do. What do you think happened? God took over. God took over. He was able to stand there and God gave him a thought of how to, how to handle it. And it, it was just an amazing thing. Was it because of Bob? No. He had not a clue. Believe me, we, neither of us, we were like, what in the world? And God did a work in a, in a situation where he had been called to do something, and he knew that he did not have the ability. We don't have the ability to do the things that God calls us to do, whether it's a small thing or a big thing. We don't have the ability, but God does. God does. God wants to fill us with his power. B, how do we receive that strength? How do we day-to-day -day make that a reality in our life first? It's not a, I'm going to try, try, try. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to give this over to you. Try, try, try. No, it's not in my own strength. Number one, it's Christ in me is the hope. 
Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says, "When therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation." When I began my journey with Him, isn't this wonderful news? The old me went away. Hallelujah. Thank you. I mean, really, you could sort of encourage me a little bit here. But anyway, the old me is gone. I'm a new creation. Wow. So that means that that's my hope, that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a glorious thought that my success in dealing with difficulties and doing the tasks that God lays before me is not dependent on my ability? Because guess what? I don't have any. I don't have any. But God does. If he has called me to do something, he will give me the ability to do what I need to do. Because, number two, Christ in me is the strength. Christ in me is the strength. Colossians 1.27. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hope of glory. In Christ, the most um, used description of believers in Paul's day was in Christ. Oh yeah, he's a brother in Christ. Oh yeah, the Philippian church, they have, you know, X number of um, in Christ, it was, it was the terminology that Paul loved to use the most to describe Christians. In Christ. Wow. Through Christ, in Christ, he is my strength. Are you in Christ? Yes. Yes. Have you become a new creation? Yes. If yes, we can be confident that we will be divinely strengthened in whatever God calls us to do. Now, three, what are the practical steps? I want to know that, don't you? First, how do we lay hold of that power? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creature. But how do I get that power, Lord Jesus? How does that happen in my life? I am facing this today. How do I have, practically speaking, that power in my life? How do I realize that? How do I grab a hold of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? How do I realize that in those turmoils? First, through obedience first through obedience that is god calling you whatever he's calling you to do in a circumstance or turmoil or service instead of god oh you know i just can't do that oh my goodness no guess what you can't <laughs> you're right you can't do it but god can because you can do all things through christ it's obedience second step we need to do it, uh, uh, do it step by step it's not like suddenly today i'm like I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to, I, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it in the strength of Christ. It's a step by step. It's kind of like headlights. When you get in the car and turn on the headlights, it doesn't illuminate all the way home, does it? What happens? You get a block or two or three or whatever. And so it's a day-to-day, day-to-day obedience, just like the headlights. You know, uh, I'm going to be obedient today, and then I'm going to get up and choose to be obedient tomorrow. And I'm going to be obedient day to day to day. And guess what? If you're like me, you may have a day where you don't do so well with obedience. And so what happens? You repent and say, Jesus, I really did not allow your strength to, to strengthen me. I didn't, I, 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 forgive me. And I want to do better today. And you begin again. And you start that obedient process again. It's a step by step by step as we learn. And as we do, God transmits into us the very power of his presence. Then we too can reflect the secret of contentment. We too can be a reflection of contentment. We can be content. We can have that 
same attitude, the same mindset that the Apostle Paul did as he went through his tragedies and difficulties in his life, as he was sitting in prison, awaiting his execution, not hearing from his beloved friends. He was content because God was doing a work in his heart. It was God through the power of Jesus in our lives. Kent Hughes said this, wide swings of fortune await us. But because Christ is the center of our lives, we can be content. Both abundance and loss pass, but Christ remains the same. Christ remains the same. He is the same. It was in your homework. Today, yesterday, and forever. I got that wrong, didn't I? Yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. He is the same. If he could do it for Paul, he can do it for you and me. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wow.